This is episode 40 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Thursday, October 6, 2022. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at I know a lot of you have probably been wondering whether Angry Tech News has officially died, and the answer is no, it has not. Not officially. I absolutely intend to continue this in some form. After all, I'm reading the stories and I'm getting sarcastic and angry about them anyway, so it only makes sense for me to continue recording some of those rants. I am still working out the details of what form that's going to take. While I'm quite pleased with the tight, highly scripted snark you've been enjoying the last 40 episodes, it takes a lot of time to prepare. And as you may have noticed, the regularity of the show has suffered for it. So instead, you'll probably hear more ad-libbed, off-the-cuff snark. Listeners, Listeners of my other show, Grumpy Old Ben's, will probably understand the difference. Today, however, is going to be mostly a headline show dedicated entirely to cleaning out my browser tabs. See, whenever I read a story that I think it'd be good for the show, I open up a new tab and leave it open until I get the time to fully write it up. Once the story's gone into an episode, I can close the tab. If I go too long without doing a show, well, my browser starts to run out of memory. So regular connoisseurs of tech news may find that today's stories are, well, last month's news. But fear not, the stories may be age, but the sarcasm is fresh squeezed. First headline, Facebook now officially supports NFTs in their system. So I guess that means that the NFT technology is finally over. You can now link your NFT wallet to Facebook or Instagram and access your linked NFTs from both sites. Of course, it turns out you could already do this before by simply clicking on a URL. But now, now you can do it from entirely within Facebook's walled garden, which means, well, it likely means nothing to end users, but it's a sure win for Facebook's tracking retention and psychological manipulation departments. There are also indications that Facebook is working on an NFT marketplace. No word on when that will be, but rest assured, we will be there to ridicule it when it happens. Facebook isn't the only one coming into NFTs late. ISIS, the Islamic State group that became a boogeyman of the month for American media outlets a few years back, is reportedly issuing an NFT for the purpose of raising money. I'm not going to opine on the group's politics either way, but I am admiring the innovation, if it works. Say what you will about the NFT market, and as you've probably noticed, I do. One of the features of the blockchain is that it is resistant to authoritarian censorship, which makes it pretty attractive to any group that the authorities don't like. And in another NFT non-story, Snoop Dogg and Eminem crawled out of 1997 to feature animated versions of their Bored Ape NFTs on the MTV Music Awards, a move which would prompt many millennials to ask, who the hell are Snoop Dogg and Eminem, if there were any millennials watching the VMAs in the first place. Google Play Store has made a rule change, this time to block VPN apps that annoy their sacred cow. According to the new rules, users of the VPN API are no longer allowed to interfere with any monetization functionality of the OS or any other apps. 
That's code word for ads, in case you didn't get it. Google has long had policies to disallow any apps that block ads in any of their technology, precisely because Google is an ad company. As long as we're on the topic of how safe the Google Store's aggressive censoring makes us, McAfee Security recently flagged five Chrome browser extensions as malware. The extensions, which collectively had over 1.2 million downloads, would track and upload to the cloud a list of all sites visited and passwords entered. When the app detected certain sites, for example, shopping, Amazon, Walmart, whatever, were visited, it would rewrite the page data to add malicious code, cookies, and affiliate links to funnel money to the app authors. The extensions flagged by McAfee go by the names Netflix Party, Netflix Party 2, Flip Shop Price Tracker, Full Page Screenshot Capture, and Auto Buy Flash Sales. These particular extensions have since been removed from the store by Google, and the company urges anybody with them installed to uninstall them immediately. You can, however, be confident that for the five extensions that were removed, 20 more have already taken their place. A farmer slash hacker who goes by sick codes demonstrated at DEF CON a hack for a John Deere tractor. While the existence of a jailbreak for John Deere's proprietary software, a company widely known for being second only to Apple in the zeal with which they violate the first sale doctrine, has wide-ranging implications for food security and the right to repair. Sick codes answering a higher calling, however, demonstrated the hack by running doom on the tractor. What else? Streaming media platform Plex sent an email last month informing customers that it had been hacked. Possibly compromised information includes usernames, email, and hashed passwords. Recall that hashed password means your password is not available in clear text, but the hashes can potentially still be compared to other data breaches or be used in replay attacks, especially if you use the same password on multiple sites. The company is advising users to change passwords immediately and to enable two-factor authentication. My additional advice is the same as the last 273 times I've read variations on this story. Use unique passwords for each site. Use a password manager and have it generate your passwords. Use a unique email address per site, even if it's only your name plus site name at gmail.com. And I'm just kidding on that last one. Gmail is its own security risk. Smart home startup SmartDry shut down its servers on September 30th, bricking customers' dryer sensors. In case you missed it, and I know I did, the Smart Dry product is essentially a special sensor which you mount inside of your dryer, which monitors moisture and alerts you when your clothes are actually dry. The sensor, which should arguably be a feature installed in all household dryers already, was touted as a way to reduce energy bills and avoid your clothes shrinking, both risks of drying your clothes for too long. But, this being Silicon Valley, the way they implemented it, the sensor doesn't do the obvious thing and just shut off the dryer in which it's mounted. Instead, it connects to your home Wi-Fi and uploads your sensitive laundry data to a cloud server managed by SmartDry, which then sends you a notification via a phone app, which you have to install, to tell you to go turn off your dryer. We are living in the future here, fellas. Of course, when the VC funds ran out and not enough people had jumped on board the obvious convenience of this idea, SmartDry shut down their cloud servers, turning those high-tech moisture sensors into yet another piece of e-waste. Not all hope is lost, however. 
a forum member has posted a way to continue to use this miraculous little device. All you have to do is get an ESP32 development board, load some code onto it, plug it in near your dryer, and set up your own Home Assistant server to manage the alerts. Easy peasy. Internationally, the Irish Data Protection Commissioner has fined Facebook more than 400 billion euros for violation of the GDPR. Specifically, the commissioner called out Instagram's business account service, which automatically publishes all users' phone numbers and email addresses by default. The part that the Irish Data Protection Commissioner had problems with was the part where it publishes all of that data for your kids. Ireland's data protection laws require opt-in for adults and completely prohibit publishing personal data for children. Brazil's Justice Ministry has put a stop to Apple's practice of selling phones without power adapters, at least to customers in Brazil. In addition to a hefty fine, the Justice Ministry has outlawed all sales of all iPhone-branded smartphones in the country, regardless of model or generation, unless they are accompanied by the power brick. Apple has said that selling phones without the adapter, which is, of course, available for purchase separately at Apple prices, is more environmentally friendly. And besides, most Apple users are upgrading and already have a power brick from a previous product. The Justice Ministry says that the practice is hostile to consumers and Apple is gouging customers with hidden fees. Personally, I acknowledge that both of these positions are probably true and point out that Apple buyers should know by now what they're getting into. Pretty technology at exorbitant prices. There's a word for selling marked up products to people with far more disposable income than financial sense. It's called capitalism, and Apple is very, very good at it. And as long as we're talking about fines from Silicon Valley corporations, Europe's second highest court denied appeal for Google, who were fighting a 2018 antitrust ruling from the EU for abusing its Android monopoly by, quote, imposing unlawful restrictions on manufacturers of Android devices. Said restrictions included things like compelling manufacturers to pre-install a bundle of Google apps to preventing them from installing alternate search or browsers and preventing them from selling any altered version of the OS. The denied appeal lets stand a fine of 4.3 billion euros, the largest fine ever levied against a corporation by the European Union. The second largest, in case you were wondering, was about 2.5 billion which was also levied against Google in 2017 for its use of search monopoly to favor Google's shopping service. And finally, a quick story about the dismal future of gaming. In 2016, Blizzard launched Overwatch, a hero-based competitive multiplayer first-person shooter. It was their first successful new product in 12 years. To be fair, new products haven't really been their priority considering how much money they can print in World of Warcraft. Overwatch immediately became popular with competitive gamers due to its distinctive characters and skill-based gameplay. The characters were so well-liked that they became the subject of a great deal of fan fiction and even Overwatch-themed porn, competitive gamers being what they are. After a decade of retreading their MMO, which required very little dev resources, the saving of which Blizzard used to develop a lively and festering internal corporate woke culture amidst a backdrop of rampant internal harassment and exploitation by management both at Blizzard and its parent company Activision, Blizzard was wholly unprepared to deal with the kind of gamers that a competitive FPS brings. 
Employees complained bitterly about the toxicity of the community, many of whom used unkind words and even profanity in the public chat rooms, despite a very clear community standards document telling everybody to be considerate and use each other's pronouns. So this month, Blizzard released Overwatch 2, the conspicuously named sequel to Overwatch, with the usual privacy invasions in order to crack down on toxicity. For example, all text and voice communications will be recorded to be reviewed by a woke moderator in the likely case that a butthurt opponent reports you. But the real innovation in the game is that in order to play Overwatch 2, the Battle.net account associated with the game must have a phone number attached. And not just any phone number either. Battle.net is reportedly rejecting people trying to attach phone numbers on prepaid plans, including all prepaid carriers as well as online carriers like Google Voice. The company demands that you have a postpaid account with a major carrier. The argument given by the company is that this is to prevent cheaters from signing in multiple accounts using multiple prepaid numbers, which can be had for cash at most grocery stores. Of course, the game is barely out and this scheme is already drawing ire from dozens of gaming blogs and literally thousands of Redditors who rightfully point out that it's going to also hit people on smaller carrier plans people with poor credit ratings, children whose parents don't think they're old enough for their own cell phones, and, of course, anybody who still cares enough about their personal privacy to not want to submit their personal cell phone information to a huge corporate marketing database just for the privilege of rolling a few noobs. Extra angry thanks go out to Brian Janak, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, Progo, Rhett Vandenberg, Raymond Zorger, Steve Edwards, Curtis Peterson, Rachel Zimmerman, Christopher Reamer, and Sharky for continuing to support this show, despite how much I'm not giving you enough of it. Alternatively, thanks to every one of those people for forgetting to unsubscribe your monthly donation. It is very appreciated. Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't play ads, and we don't charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you received some value for listening to this show, please send some back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click the donate button. Send what you think this episode was worth to you, whether it's $5 or $50. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the angry programmer with a bike. I will be back sooner than six weeks with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer, Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com. Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay angry. All right. So Apple's stance on their not having a power adapter in the phones from the get go, from the time they started selling the iPhone 12, uh, what, two years ago, was that it is more uh, environmentally friendly to not include the power adapter in the phone or in the box. And you know what? I can almost understand because they're right. Probably 80% of their customers are absolutely upgrading from an old iPhone. They're using the same lightning adapter and they can absolutely use the charger from their old phone. Where I'm going to call bullshit though is the fact that the iPhone 12 also happened to be the model where they switched the adapt the power cord that is provided with the phone from a USB-A to USB-C. So you're telling me that you're going to be more quote-unquote environmentally friendly, but you're going to change the fucking power cord? Fuck off. You're just trying to make more money.